Brian, your lunatic friend. I'm a little fuzzy on 1984 and 85 because a lot of stuff happened in a short amount of time. But I just found a tour poster of my first date opening for Steve Taylor in December of 1984. So I was doing a few gigs as the former lead singer of Sweet Comfort Band. I was on Steve Taylor's Meltdown Tour and I know I didn't have a record out and I was singing to tracks, which was kind of embarrassing. Steve was touring his second record, but he was still on a first album budget. We were staying in an Econo Lodge, driving an Econo van, from Econo Car. And that first concert in ORU, I sarcastically remarked when I came on stage, I introduced the tracks I was gonna sing to as the Econo Band. And that name would stick for the rest of my solo career. So it had to have been summer of 84 that Sweet Comfort Band went over to Europe without me. So by the first half of 1985, I'd just finished my first solo project. I knew I had to get serious about presenting it. Yeah, there was gonna be a photo shoot. And nothing will make you feel more self-conscious than standing in front of a camera. Album cover photo shoots are a lot like wedding pictures. Whatever you look like on that day will be recorded for eternity. My manager, Ray Ware, had no problem talking to me about my little pot belly. I was never quite tall enough for my weight, and it wasn't lost on me that my head was wider than it was tall. I was taking notes on the artists of the time. Flock of Seagulls' hair looked ridiculous. The Bay City Rollers looked like rock and rollers, but they dressed kind of like clowns. I knew I was going to need to have more of a sanguine temperament than my melancholy moods put me in. And then I saw a video clip of Howard Jones, a singer-songwriter from the UK. I liked his songs, too. Whoa, 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 whoa. His hair was off his ears and had kind of a starburst of hair going every direction on top. It was a cool look, and nobody would call it a mullet for years. He was a solo artist, too, standing in the middle of the stage, surrounded by stacks of keyboards and sequencers for drums and bass, and he was doing a pop style that I liked. It gave me hope that I could be on stage by myself. I intentionally avoided guitar sounds on my record because I knew I wouldn't have a guitarist. I had no illusions that I was going to be on the road with a full band. I knew how that stuff ended. At Home Depot, working for a painting contractor. But for this album cover, it didn't matter what I looked like because we were dressing up. Ray Ware had this great idea of acting out Have Yourself Committed in a courtroom in the 1940s when clothing styles were cool. That way, it didn't matter what the hip style was at the time. We would make a party out of it. I would invite all my friends to come dressed like they were in the 1940s. I wore a button-down shirt, corduroy pants with suspenders, and an original 1942 tie straight out of a thrift store. I would be standing before the judge with a jury in the background and a cop hauling me off to jail. I'd lost 30 pounds for this photo shoot and what I remember most was being on the set staring at a bowl of potato chips, a food group that I hadn't had for months. And I remember thinking, soon as this photo shoot is over, I'm eating all of those. We would make t-shirts for this album as part of the marketing that simply said on the front, have yourself committed in big letters like choose life. And the t-shirts would be as big a hit as the record. That summer, youth groups were using that phrase for their conventions. And overnight, I'd find myself in airports every week. I was playing all over the country. Audiences would be showing up in suspenders, a trend that I wasn't expecting to start. MTV had become a big deal, so much so that now there were Christian copycats. TBN had Friday night videos, and there was Fire by Night with Blaine Bartell, and I would even be a guest host on ZTV. So now we needed to have a video, but we didn't have a budget for that. But you can make a cheap one with just a single fog machine. And colored lights look good 
good on crinkled brown paper. And it was new to have a keyboard player standing up. And because I didn't have a keyboard stand, we put two step ladders together and used them to hold up my DX7 keyboard. And for the first time ever, I would learn to lip sync, wearing a t-shirt and a leather jacket. And in my new Howard Jones haircut, I would sing, Darkness is falling, darkness is falling through. And the whole thing was filmed with a little handheld camcorder. And I didn't feel bad about not spending a lot of money because we were spending a lot of time being creative. But the first real luxury about going solo and being a one-man band is that you could get a round-trip ticket to anywhere and be home by Monday after a long weekend. It's amazing now, looking back, I used to fly out of Ontario, California, where you could literally park across the street after dropping six bags of sales product, t-shirts and records, along with a keyboard that I would carry on the road and a small suitcase and a hang-up bag and the sky caps would check it in while I was parking my car. I would come back, tip sky caps that I would eventually know by individual names. I would arrive just 30 minutes before the flight. I would just walk on with my boarding pass. I never even had to prove who I was. I was even late for one flight and I dropped my bags at the curb, threw my keys to the sky cap who parked my car for me and brought me my keys on the plane before they closed the door. Yeah, there's something that'll never happen again. You gotta remember this was back before personal electronics. I had a little notebook called a day runner. Everyone had one where you kept your phone numbers and your calendar and your personal notes and I would keep track of all the different airlines that I'd been on, most of which do not exist today. Like TWA, Ozark, Muse Air, Western Airlines, Eastern Airlines, Piedmont, Midway, ATA and SAS, US Airways, Pan Am, Aloha. But now they're all sayonara. But I was on all of them as well as American and United and Alaska. And one thing I learned on an airplane is how to sleep sitting up. Now back in 1985, a movie came out called Back to the Future. Had a star in it by the name of Michael J. Fox. I remember being in the Chicago airport once when I was approached by two girls who asked me for my autograph. It might have been flattering except that they thought I was him. And when I told them I wasn't, they wouldn't believe me and thought I was putting them off. So I have to admit that I signed one time, Love Ya Michael, and scribbled the rest so it wasn't even legible because I figured, why ruin their day? And yeah, I should have told them about Jesus, but I wasn't Keith Green either. I'm not trying to be mean here, but one of the worst things my mom ever said to me was when I was starting to get nationally recognized. She says, you know, when Keith Green was here, he had 7,000 people at the stadium. Why can't you be more like him? She said something similar again later, except that this time it was Carmen. And of course, you don't talk back to your mother, but I spent a lot of years thinking about what I could have said back to that. One of them was, well, I guess I didn't get that memo. Or maybe, where's the scripture for that? Or, oh man, I thought it was Steve Taylor. But my favorite was, I was trying to be more like Jesus, but his crowd turned on him, and that was just the religious people. So now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, how many of you would say, yes, I will continue to listen to Nutshell Sermons, even if it is all about my lunatic friend, and I shall leave a comment and endorse what I continue to believe in, even if it's not this guy, and I shall add to his endorsements a multitude of favors by sharing NutshellSermons.com with someone I know that's probably not well.